Breeding season is wrapping up for most of us, and the thought of show season is just a glint in our eyes. But on this episode of Goat Gab, we welcome two special guests, Ed Jodlowski and Anne McKeever Claggett, to talk about their experiences in judging national shows. Join us as we talk about what it's like to judge in the big ring of the Agga National Show. Welcome, Goat Gabbers, to an ano- to another amazing episode of Goat Gab. Uh, this week, we're doing things a little bit differently. Normally, I'm um, joined by my faithful co-host, Cameron Jodlowski. My name is Laura Warren Hughes, by the way. But this week, I am joined by none other than the original Jodlowski goat guy, Dr. Ed Jodlowski himself. So thank you, Dr. Ed, for joining us this week. Very excited to be here, and I'll try to uh, do a great job with the podcast like Cameron does and whatnot, and um, we'll see how things go. Well, I have no doubt that you'll rise to the occasion just fine. Uh, We are also really excited to be joined by another special guest this week. This week, we have Anne McKeever Claget from Damascus, Maryland. So, Anne, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, my name's Anne, obviously, but um, I'm from Damascus, Maryland. I've been interested in loving goats for about 34 years now, since I was about eight years old and um, love them so much. My favorites are the Toggenbergs, of course, and then I have a kind of special spot. The Sonnens have moved into my heart quite handily over the last few years. So, um, and then I have a lovely set of grades that I will probably never give up because they're just too pretty. Sonnens have a way of doing that, don't they? Um, I I have three of my little white girls, as, as my daughter Elizabeth calls them, and um, not that I would trade my alpines for anything, but those Sonnens have just such a sweet temperament, and they're, at least mine do, and they're no nonsense. They get up on the stand, they eat, you milk them, they get down, they don't fight, they don't push around, they kind of hang to themselves. And and Ed, I know that you have had Sonnens in the past too. Do you agree Attract- with that assistant? Yes. They are gentle giants, aren't they? They certainly are. I Each one of them that I have has their own little personality and they come, they're just, each and every one of them, you know, I know they're all white, but each and one of them has their own face, their own eyes. And it's really fun to just go sit in the pen and, and spend time with the Sonnens because they're really cool, gentle giants, as Ed said. How do they get along with your Toggenbergs? Well, they're bigger by quite a bit than the Toggenbergs and the Toggrades that I have. And so right now everybody's separated at the farm because we're just getting over breeding season and they had been penned with their respective cleanup bucks. So right now they're not penned together. Actually, the Sonnens are in with our La Manchas right now. And the La Manchas hold their own, but the Sonnens mm-hmm. just don't, they don't, they don't put up with anything from anybody else. So they kind of end up getting left alone. That's a good thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's your herd name, Anne? Um, Pocahontas pride. 
think a lot of people wonder like, oh my gosh, does she just um, love Disney and love Pocahontas the movie? No. Um, the street we live on is called Pocahontas Drive. And so the herd name was chosen when we were kids as kind of like the pride of Pocahontas Drive. So that's where the herd name derives from. And your mom and dad live like right close to you, right? Right. So I don't actually live at the farm. I live about five and a half miles away with my husband and my son at our house. Um, and then, you know, it's a quick trip over to the farm, which is the place where I grew up since I was eight. And I've always had the goats. So it's my childhood home is where the goats are. That's pretty cool. So you get to see your mom and dad too. Yeah. I mean, my parents have been divorced for a long time. It's actually <laughs> why the goats came into my life. But um, both both of my parents have been remarried for a long, long time. So it's actually my mom and my stepfather who are the uh, goat end of things. <laughs> and my dad and his wife live uh, close by in Virginia. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Ed, what's happening on the farm since uh, uh, Cameron's been off enjoying some um, R&R and some tropical sunshine, I think? Well, I think um, I've been the lone wolf here on the farm and just holding down the fort the best I can. Um, I think probably the biggest thing is that... Um, you know, we're doing all the end of the year paperwork from all of our milk testing, um, trying to make sure that we have all that uh, in good shape now that um, the majority of does are dry. Um, and then we have um, obviously sent some blood samples in. Well, I, I have this old fashioned preg toner that I use, and I don't even know. It's very old and antiquated. It's not the beautiful sonogram system that many people have nowadays, but it detects um, the fluid if the dough is bred and it gives you a sustained beep. And so I use that pretty regularly to check the doughs. Um, it's not 100% foolproof. So Catherine and Cameron pulled some blood on four doughs that I just wanted to double check and make sure that they were bred um, just because um, they're, they're pretty important doughs. And so I want to make sure that I'm not... Um, you know, getting a, a false beep on those does. And so we sent that off. Um, and just, just taking the time to look at the goats and think to myself, what's going to happen when they all freshen? There's a lot to freshen. And uh, Cameron and Catherine have announced that they're going to be relocating um, probably early in the summer. And so I know that I'm going to really play the role of permanent lone wolf here at Kickapoo Valley. And so just starting to think about what's going to happen with the numbers um, in terms of, of how many goats I can sustain by myself. So that, that makes it a little bit more challenging as you look around the farm and you start thinking about those numbers. And so that's kind of where we are on our farm. What about you? Thankfully, it's, everything is quiet. Uh, we ultrasounded our last mature does and found out that they're bred. So breeding season with the mature ones is over. I have two kids that uh, still aren't far enough long to check. But um, as we posted on our Facebook page for Goat Gab the other day, my daughter counted down the days till national show. And for me, that was kind of a, ooh, a little bit of a wake up call. I mean, it's under 200. I think it was like 190 some and uh, thinking, okay, these does that are just barely bred, 
they've got about a month to get things into line before they head into the national show ring. And, you know, kind of thinking about that is fun. I enjoy the slow time with the goats because those are the days that you can, like Ann said, walk out in the pasture and hang out with them. And um, Elizabeth and I went out and sat on a fallen log and had all of the coming yearlings around us. And they're just, it's just so peaceful. So it's, it's just been kind of fun to hang out in the unseasonably warm days and, and just enjoy having goats. It's that's, you know, there's a lot of things that people are stressed out about now, whether it's holidays or ADGA or jobs or things like that. And sometimes it's good to just remember that what you fell in love with dairy goats for, you know, the fact that they're, they're friendly and and they love you and they're accepting no matter what. And, and I just, I just think that's kind of special. And, and honestly, Ed, like, like you, I'm thinking to the fact that come this fall, I'm going to, I'm going to be a lone wolf here too. I don't have any, I won't have any kids at home to help with chores and, and it does make you step back and kind of think, okay, what's sustainable and how can I make this work? And, and I think, Ed and Ann, with all three of us kind of being, you know, adults, we went through it as kids and now we're adults and, and you kind of have to step back and think about that. It, there's a full circle to things and we're kind of coming around that bend again, I guess. It's interesting for me because <clears throat> while I can't call myself the lone wolf because I still have my mom and her husband who are very active with the goat still. And then, um, of course, I have my son who's almost 13, who's really starting to kind of come in his, into his own as far as being helpful with the chores and the goats and everything. Um, I just lost a huge portion of my help um, about a year ago, year ago, August, basically, because she got, she went and got married on me and uh, bought a house and, <laughs> and bought a house. And so she's, you know, about 35 minutes away now with her husband and my son-in-law. So you know, they're still around. They come around the farm very often, come and check on the girls and, you know, and take a look-see and stuff like that. So they haven't, they haven't disappeared or anything, but they certainly aren't there for the day-to-day chores like they were for, for so long. So that's been an interesting, um, journey over the last, uh, 18 months or so. And, it's been interesting because COVID hit at the kind of the same time and it forced me to work from home and made me more available to my goats. So kind of all worked out so far. So we'll see, but it's, it's really interesting because we have 28 goats bred, which is the most, I think we've had bred in a very long time. It's because nationals, of course, as you said, Laura is next summer. So we're all thinking about that and everything. And I'm a little terrified of 28 goats, Brad, because it's been a long time since we did that many. So we'll see what happens. I think that's a good way to do it. We just wait and see what happens and kind of kind of get on there. Anything else going exciting in your farm, Anne? Um, well, like I said, we just kind of pulled, I just pulled all the books and put them back together and kind of resorted the does and everything because we did ultrasounds about four weeks ago and everybody really was looking very pregnant on ultrasound. And now that we're about three weeks later, they're starting to kind of look very pregnant. So I'm pretty, pretty sure that we're probably all bred, all 28 of us over there. at the farm. <laughs> um, So we'll see, but you know, I, I just kind of walk through the pen and I just kind of go to certain ones. I'm like, just think blue and, and single blue 
to make my my life easy and make it easy decisions next spring because <laughs> a lot of them are bred because we just want to see what what we have we have um hold on to your hats people we have i think 16 first fresheners next spring <laughs> but that's exciting i mean you get to see how they turn out yes and and let me tell you it will not take much for them not to get to stay and participate in the milking line if they don't uh fresh and nice and pretty for us if you will <laughs> Well, I think that's a good thing, right? Ed, how many are yes. you guys freshmen? Um, you know, the I was thinking about that question. I, I don't know. I think it's 35 or 36. It's um, a few more than Anne mentioned, which is also a larger number than we've had in the past. Um, in our herd, our sables have really taken over our numbers and I got a number of first fresheners as well that are going to freshen. Um, but I, I just told Cameron a couple of weeks ago, I was almost at my wits end. Like, okay, if, if at this point these kids aren't bred, we're just going to leave them dry because it's just, it. we're getting to the point where it's getting, um, you know, just late enough that I really am not sure I want to, to deal with late May kids or, or June kids. And so we'll, we'll just, kind of see what happens but um certainly there are going to be a lot of goats uh to freshen and a lot of decisions to be made in in the spring which is always the case um i'll have to go back and listen to the podcast with kurt and um listen to what he said about culling because it really inspired me last year to to start culling pretty heavily uh cull till you cry and there's certainly going to be some <laughs> moments when we do that um and, and that's, that's, that's just what's going to have to happen. And, um, you know, also with, with Cameron and Catherine leaving, Cameron and I have talked about, you know, he'll take some, some does, a few does with him. I think he's going to take a few alpines. Um, and we'll just kind of see what happens. But um, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it because it's going to look a little different. Um, and uh, I've got my final year of, of in education as principal will be next year. And so I'm really going to celebrate that by being super involved. Not that I'm not involved now, but like super involved in, in that school year and embracing every moment of it since it's my last. And so I've got to think about that in terms of, you know, how we're going to, we're going to handle the goats. So there's just a lot of um, interesting and exciting opportunities coming our way here. I think um and that that episode that we did have with Kurt, it, and that was exactly his phrase, call until you cry. And we did that in our herd, too. And, oh, my gosh, it was so hard. I mean, I, you know, of course, I've called animals before, but I really tried to take to heart what he said. And uh, it definitely made a huge improvement in my herd. I mean, I, I really could see the difference. And I'm like, OK, gosh, dang it. He's right. <laughs> it's so hard to do that, though. Uh, saying of call to you cry has definitely made its uh, way through, <laughs> through the goat community. So um, I've definitely heard that this summer. Um, and um, it's true. I did that a couple of years ago, actually, and really, really cut our numbers down significantly. Um, and we're kind of inched back up just because, you know, my mother truly loves these animals and is, has a hard time partying with any of them. Um, and really doesn't like to call 
as you as we're talking about, but it really is a necessary evil sometimes, especially when you get down to the point of like you you really have to just look at what you have. And I got to the point where I called so hard that everything is so pretty that now when I have to do this next spring, it's going to be even harder than it was three or four years ago when we really, really cut down our numbers um, because everybody, we did so significantly then. And um, so everybody's really, at least really quality and, and can stay <laughs> as long as I say they freshen pretty in the spring. You know, though, that does kind of make it maybe a little more fun to sell or maybe even a little easier to sell to those really good homes because people know now, yeah, there's, you know, top to bottom, even the animals that she's considering culling are way better than, you know, maybe the animals that they have in their herds. And, you know, just, I mean, we all know that in our heart, we all know that it's, it's always good to call animals, even if they're not like calling to the sale barn, but they're calling to another home because, you know, you've got better that you want to keep. I still feel like it's so hard. I mean, these, yes, they're livestock, but they have personalities and, and some of them just really grab at your heartstrings and you hate to say goodbye. I have to not remember not to torture myself when I send them on their way because I just envision them being on that trailer as they're driving away, just saying not very nice things about me because I put them on that trailer to send them away. But hopefully I'm sending them to a very nice home and we all try to do that. So, um, but it's hard. It really, really is. Absolutely. Well, speaking of things that are hard, let's talk a little bit about ADGA news, what's going on. Um, if you're on social media, which I would assume that the majority of our listeners are, uh, you'd have to be hiding under a rock if you don't realize that um, ADGA's, ADGA's kind of had a rough, rough go again. So let's talk about that a little bit. I'm not really sure where we should start. I mean, obviously, we're recording this after um, the news of the 10,000 unsent registrations were found. And um, both Laura and I, as directors, um, sat in a meeting on Sunday night and, and learned about this. And I, I think initially our reaction was... Um, I think my first reaction was, well, well, good. We found uh, one of the answers to the problem. Um, and then it was like, oh, but this is not good because there's going to be this huge backlash that we're going to see on social media because that's what we see so often. And um, I think Laura and I, we've spent some time talking about this, but I think one of the things that is really frustrating to me is that a lot of people are blaming the leadership um, at ADGA at, in, in the office. And, and I think it, it's important to take a step back and, and to remember that some of the people that are now in leadership roles were not in leadership roles when some of these things first began. I mean, the, the you know, the, the conclusion of the Ross system and the beginning of the NG system, um, I mean, that that's what people walked into and um, you know, there were some decisions made at the um, board of directors meetings for, for some restructuring, which um, uh, you know, was, was very well supported um, by the, the directors. And we believe that this is 
going to help us. But I think the, the, this also comes back to that important part about patience. And, and, and I, I say that often uh, um, when people reach out to me to be patient, but I know it's really, really hard because there are a number of people that are frustrated by, by things that have happened or anything like that. Um, and I see the frustration that people take to social media and it, I understand it. I, I do. I don't know that social media is really going to help solve much other than to let people get their feelings out and everything. I know a lot of people in the goat industry who are directors. A lot of them I call my friends and I know that they are trying their damnedest to try to figure this situation out. Um, but I agree with Ed that, you know, there are a lot of people who are now trying to help us out of this situation who were not part of the decision-making process that led us here. And so it's, we got to try to be patient as Ed said. And, you know, I said it the other day, I think to a fellow goat enthusiast online that patience is really hard sometimes. And, you know, we've been asked as a society to be patient about a lot of things lately. So I think, you know, the goat industry having these many problems right now is just something else that is, easy for people to get very frustrated about very quickly. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I'm, I am not a patient person. And I remember as a young, as a youngster, when my parents would tell me now, you just got to be patient. I just wanted to punch something. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think that is important to remember. And, you know, like Ed, when I, when I heard about this, my first thought was, great. Our, our people aren't crazy. They really aren't getting their registration papers. I mean, you know, right. I thought it was validating that and, and great, we finally figured this out, but yeah, again, Oh man, this is bad. Cause it's, it's going to blow up all over social media again. And, and, you know, not to belabor the point, it kind of makes it disheartening to, to, to try to be part of a solution when you feel like that at every turn or at every corner, you're going to get whacked in the head again by people complaining. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I think it's fine to vent and I think people need to vent. And I think, I think it's okay to say, this is, this really, this is really awful right now. This is not a good place to be in. But I, I, I do hope that everybody has some confidence that things are going to get better, that there is a plan in place. And, and I know that everybody wants to know every detail about every plan, but there are just some, sometimes things legally, sometimes ethically things can't be shared, but I, I just feel like that we just need to give it some time. We didn't, Adiga didn't get into, um, problems just overnight and it's going to take a little bit to get out of it. And I, I feel like understanding now that these, these papers that we thought had been sent out and had been taken care of really never were. I think that's a good thing that we found that. And so hopefully we can move on with this. We can get it all caught up. We can take care of the financial part of it and just keep moving forward and, and getting better. Cause I do believe in the end that Ross is, or that um, NG is going to be, amazing and not um a disaster i'm just holding on to that i really think that y you you bring up so many important points laura that um you know it's like we 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 feel like we take a couple of steps forward and then all of a sudden we learn something new and we take a couple of steps back and and i i think what 
when we see the social media posts about, but I still don't have my papers, um, I read those and I think to myself, well, you know, I have I have individuals in my district that that will say things like that. And when I see that, I'll reach out to them and say, have you contacted the, the office? Again, I know it's terribly hard to do that now, but some some um, directors have, have clearly put out there that, um, you know, we have an office manager who is who is working really diligently to find papers. And when I've reached out to her um, for people in my district that have needed to find papers, it's, it's happened very quickly. Um, likewise, I'm still sitting here without two papers. Um, and uh, again, I know it's a matter of being patient, but one of them's a buck and he's bred to some does. And so we're going to have to figure out where those papers are here pretty soon. Um, so I, I guess the important thing, the message that I want to send out is those people that are having problems, um, contact the office manager at ADGA um, or contact your director to, to, to contact um, the office manager, because I believe that that can be very helpful. Again, if, if everybody inundates her, that's going to be difficult. And But Sherry's proven to be um, exceptional at, at helping individuals that are having problems with that. And, and likewise, I would encourage people to do that. And that's just what we're going to work towards. And we're going to work and, and make this come together and work out if, as long as we're working together and, and, and working as hard as we can um, to get to that solution. Um, hopefully, you know, there, there are a lot of things in the works, um, postal ballots and those kinds of things that, that will, um, bring some necessary, uh, you know, assurance to, to breeders about their animals. But I, I know that that's something that we've got to continue to do. So hopefully we, we just sit and be patient and wait and, and, and we'll see things get better. I, I truly believe it. Ann and Ed, you guys have been in Adga long enough you know, I, I don't want to say, well, we've been through this before and it got better, but growing pains are always painful. I mean, we, we have gone through growing pains before we have made it through other um, computer changes or other office changes or other structure changes. And, and, you know, we've made it through and, and NG is one of those things that uh, we've been assured that the, program when it's working like it's supposed to be is going to take us into the future and be able to handle a lot of new things that are going to come its way. So I, you know, I think we just trust the process and, and I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna, but I also feel like, you know, give us a little bit more time here because we're, you know, we're just trying to get, trying to get it put together. I think it'll be okay. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm excited about is it sounds like the interviews are continuing for some of these new positions that are going to help move things forward. And so um, just keeping our fingers crossed that the office gets the right fit for the new communications director and the, I don't quite understand this word. Is it a stack developer, full stack developer? Full stack developer. Yes. Beyond my expertise. Yes. So anyway, kind of exciting to think about that. And, you know, before we know it, we're all going to be busy with baby goats on the ground and um, shows, show season is going to start 
very soon for our friends in the warm southern states, not so soon for us in the cold states. And and I, I know that there are things in the work to help make sure that you can show your does and, and have animals have the papers that you need to be able to show them. So we're just going to keep our fingers crossed that that keeps moving forward, too. Well, I was just going to piggyback on what Ed said that, um, you know, I, I had some paper issues earlier this year and, and, you know, I contacted Aga and I don't think I got any special treatment or anything like that, but I just think that sometimes your time might be better spent to email the office manager or your director to ask for her information because they can't fix problems that they don't know about. And sometimes, you know, just letting them know, I know that Sherry at the office has fixed many, many problems for some of my friends that have griped about having problems. And I've simply said to them, hey, you just got to email them and they'll do their best to try to figure it out for you. And it does happen. So I do think that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't, I just want everybody to try to have the patience that we've been talking about because it's really tough. But we're all human and we're all doing the best. And they are human too. And and again, just like Ed said, the, the people that are in the office, they're just trying to get through a, a tough situation too. So uh, yelling at them and, and being being angry with them isn't going to move things forward and probably is going to make things take a little bit longer too. So uh, we'll get there. We'll get there in the end. It'll be fine. Um, thinking about something that's a little more exciting though than office problems it's not very long until we have the Adga National Show. It's coming up um, towards the end of June. So if you think about it, that's like a half a year away from where we are now. And um, as we mentioned in our podcast last week, very soon in the next edition of the Adga News and Events that comes out every quarter, um, there's going to be an opportunity to help select judges to judge the 2022 Adga National Show, which will be held in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So that's not terribly far from you, Anne, right? Um, I would say max two hours. We can get there in about wow. an hour and 50 wow. minutes. So yeah, it's, it's pretty quick. It's very, you very nice. You can go home at night. That'd be great. I, I, I could, but I'm not going to. No, <laughs> all the fun is when you stay. Come now. <laughs> But yes, you know, if we forget something or, you know, we run out of feed, yes, I could run home if I needed to, which is very, very nice. I've never had a national show that close. So I'm, I'm kind of envious and, and excited for you. I think that's just awesome. Five years ago. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, very much so. So the very first national show I ever went to was in Harrisburg back in 1988 at the first time it was held there. So I'm eager to see how much it has changed from then. Both Anne and Ed have both been part of that experience of judging at an ADGA national show. And we thought that this would be just the perfect time to kind of talk about um, judging at a national show and, and what it's like. And it's a great opportunity to get that firsthand account from people who have been there. So um, I just kind of like to ask both of you guys, and you can decide who wants to talk first, what what's it like to judge at a national show? So like when you first found out that you were selected to judge, what were kind of some of your thoughts about that? Ed, for your very, very kind words. I appreciate that. Um, and you know, you're absolutely right because I think for my very first set of reasons on those Tog Junior kids, I think I forgot to breathe the entire time. So, 
you know, there are a lot of nerves because there is this, as you said, judging goats. It's fun to me. I love being able to see beautiful animals. And, and on that stage, boy, oh boy, do you get to see some really, really beautiful animals. But whether at the national show or at, at a club show or, you know, a little local county fair, you know, I have so much fun. With- I remember when you, you first learn that you're a national show judge, um, you just, you first of all, hope that you can live up to, to what that means because you've, you know, at the point when I, I judged my first national show, I had been to a lot of national shows. I had watched a lot of national shows and I thought to myself, those individuals who've always judged, I, I just really held them in high esteem. And it's like, can you live up um, to the work that you've seen others do? Um, and, and what's very interesting about this is, and, and this is one of the things I said to Laura in terms of, of having Anne at, as uh, a guest, is, is that I was so impressed with the job that she did this year at her first national show that I thought she was a great person to have on um, because that first time you go to give a set of reasons, you're so nervous, but Anne handled that with such composure and, and it was almost model-like in terms of the way that she gave her reasons. It's everything that um, would be taught at a TC in terms of, you know, having those major categories and those uh, you know, having those supporting details and and just just very very nicely done and and I complimented her after um, she judged, but I, I really think that it, it's a little daunting to think about. But you just get going, and, and once you get going, it, it 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 it's easy. But to think about it, it it it, it does get a little nerve wracking. He looked at me, and goes, "No, that wasn't so hard, was it?" And I go, "No, I go, it was it was really awesome," and. having that person to work with that just kind of puts things at ease. It makes life so much fun. And I did have a a really good group of people to work with. And every time I judged, I've had a great group of people to work with, but I remember specifically Dan. And then I judged also with Sam Whiteside and Sam was so, was so much fun in that, you know, he, he would just, he would kind of you know, look at at different things at times. And I try to keep up with him at times, um, so that was difficult, but probably at that national show, one of the things I remember is um, I was judging Nubians and Julie Mathis was my consultant judge. And we got all of the winners out there, uh, the class winners. And, and I just turned to her and I said, what an awesome experience this is to have handled these animals and to now have the opportunity um, to make such a, an incredible choice from such incredible animals. And I just remember looking at those Nubians and, it, you know, you almost become somewhat emotional about it. And, and I've heard judges do this before at the national show. You become emotional. Um, and, and that's just part of the, the, the beauty and, 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 and the excitement uh, of judging a national show. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree about the emotion. Um, I know that I had to take a breath before I announced my TOG champion because I was going to make, I started to say what it meant to me to be able to do that and to be able to choose the TOG champion because I love the breed so much. And I started to make myself cry. And I was like, wait a minute, we have to, we have to take a breath here and make sure that you don't tear up on the national show stage, Miss Anne. I think everybody would have understood it if you did. 
I think that would have been <laughs> fine. Yeah, I definitely, my voice cracked a little bit and had to take a little bit of a breath for a second and just remember where I was and say, you're not going to cry here. <laughs> I've always kind of wondered what it's like to work with a co-judge. I know that um, in other livestock species, sometimes they have two judges that work rings on a more regular basis. It doesn't happen very often in dairy goats. And I I think for me, the only time I've seen it happen is at a national show. Was that difficult to get used to? I'm going to chime in here just a second. Um, We don't call that a co-judge. We call that a consultant judge. Mm -hmm. Their role is just simply to help you um, and to give you their perspective of what they're seeing. It's, it's not like you're not judging together. Um, and, and, and I, I was clearly told that in the early stages of, of my first national show that you are the person who's in charge. You're just seeking the input from the other person to help you just kind of manage things. And, um, you know, there, there are times in, in that, like I, I remember having a particular class that was very difficult, and I and I I I said to Julie, I said I'm I'm not sure what to do here, and she said talk yourself through it. I mean that was her her role, and she was very good at that. She said just talk yourself through it, and you know I talked myself through it, and and I and I really ended up loving the lineup, and I actually remember that that's the class that the national champion came from, and it's so important to have that person just be there but not to tell you what to do, but just to to support you in whatever you're going to do. Good explanation. Thank you. Well, and I'll piggyback on that. Um, You know, one thing that you you talked about, Ed, was, you know, getting to judge your first nationals and being able to judge with Dan Laney. And um, I got to do the same thing, obviously, this summer. And um, honestly, (laughs) I think if all of us could uh, take a turn and judge nationals with Dan Laney, um, wouldn't be too worse for the wear. He's, he's amazing. And, um, really just gave you so much to think about if, if you hadn't thought about it already, gave you so much to think about. And, and Ed's absolutely correct. You are not, you're not co-judging. You are there as a, as a support system, as a, you know, I got told, I think a couple of times to remember my scorecard when I was maybe thinking about, two goats or three goats together. It's like, just go back to your scorecard, remember your scorecard. And that really is what it's about is just using that scorecard on a comparative basis between those animals. And it really is an amazing thing when you get to that lineup because you go, wow, we got here and and I, I got all these goats here and, and it's really, really a beautiful thing. And it's hard because I'm not really good at um, tuning my own horn or or telling myself I did a good job. But when you turn around and look at your national show lineup that you just chose over the last few hours, it's a pretty amazing thing. So what kind of things did you guys do in preparation? Because I, I guess like for me, I would think if I were selected to judge a national show, I would feel like I needed to do a whole bunch of pre-work beforehand. Did you, or did you just trust the process that, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm an, I'm an accomplished judge. I've got this. What, what kind of preparation maybe did you think about? I just constantly told myself, it's just a goat. It's a goat show. It's a goat show. Anne. it's just a goat. It's a goat show, (laughs) you know, just to try to remind myself that yes, you need to do a good job. And yes, there's expectations and you really want to do a good job to all of those people who have, helped you get where you are because 
there's there's so many people in the association who have helped advance my judging career over the years and have really been a support system for me. And, you know, you don't want to let any of those people down. You want to maybe impress some new people if you can. You want to maybe make those people who have helped train you to get your judge's license over the years, you want to make them proud and, and all of those things. So I just tried to remind myself at the end of the day that it's a goat show and you've been judging goat shows for a long time and you can do this. And and then it was all about <laughs> wardrobe, <laughs> making sure I looked okay. <laughs> I, that's, Seriously, that is, really? That is, that is exactly what I was going to say. It is, you know, you trust the process <laughs> And, and I think right. I spent more time thinking about what I was going to wear because I was really into like matching my shirts that I wore with my suit with the color of the Adga ribbons, you know? So I, it sounds crazy, but I remember trying to find um, the right color uh, of, uh, of shirt that would go with the Oberhasleys. You know, I didn't want to just be in black. So I, I, I found some, uh, a nice brown that, that, that looked well. Um, with those. And I was always thinking about that in terms of, of going, I'm not sure I thought about, you know, what, what I'm going to say as much, because when you get onto the microphone, because you've judged enough shows, things just come out. I mean, I, I remember um, in uh, Colorado, when I was selecting the, the national champion Oberhasley, I hadn't planned, you know, like a spiel that I was going to give. And I talked about how rewarding it was to be from Illinois, where Dorothea Custer had really um, brought the, the breed to the forefront and now to come and judge a national show and, and see how far the breed has come and, and to have the opportunity to handle these animals. And I said, as an Illinoisan, I'm proud you know, to say that uh, I'm from the place where Dorothea Custer developed these Oberhasleys and now I get to handle them and I get to name the national champion and... Um, we, we know the impact that the national champion has on the breed. And um, it was just a, an awesome experience. I kind of felt like the Oberhasley experience had come full circle, but you don't, you don't plan that. It just, it's just like any other show. It, it just kind of comes out as you start talking. So I, I'm not sure that any, it'd be interesting to know if there are judges out there who've judged the national show who have, who have done some, some, processing, but I think for most people, it's just, you do what you do. Oh, I think that's wonderful. That's sounds like it's the way it should be. I love the idea though, of worrying about your wardrobe. <laughs> I oh, would worry. So true. Is this going to rip? So or... <laughs> oh, I think that's great. So speaking of, of that, I, I just know that for me, like wardrobe malfunctions definitely would be forefront in my mind. Did, have you either of you experienced anything that was funny, amazing, embarrassing, something that you didn't expect to have happen while you were judging? The only thing that I would say is over that time that you judge, and I think, Anne, you will agree with this, um, you're with these other judges, some who have a lot of experience judging a national show, some who do not, and the you know you've known these people, you've looked up to these people. But in those days of the national show, the camaraderie that exists between you as a group just becomes like, it's just amazing. And, you know, I can remember in Oregon, um, you know, we, we took a drive and we went up and, and, and we went out to eat and took pictures. And it was just like how much fun that was just as a group. Um, 
to, to, to be together. And, and so I'm not sure that that's an embarrassing thing, but it's certainly just something, just a, a memory that I have that will stick with me forever. And it wasn't just in Oregon, but it was, you know, I remember other ones. You just, you, you really kind of thrive on being around each other at that moment and supporting one another. Well, yeah, because you you are really thrust into that core group because, you know, as we all know, as judges, you're not supposed to go through the barn. You're not supposed to commiserate with the exhibitors. And, you know, on the national show level, you do your very, very best to still adhere to those rules. It's hard because, you know, you've probably seen half of the exhibitors throughout your judging career throughout the country, and it may have been a couple of years since you've seen some of them. So it's very hard not to be able to just say hi and hello. And you have to kind of find that balance. But you really are um, with that group of your your fellow judges. And I, I really um, enjoyed the group of people that I got to judge with this summer because we just really, um, everybody was upbeat. We all had a good time and and really, really um, enjoyed ourselves as a group together. I'm sure it was even sweeter since we had to miss out on the national show the year before. It was like, oh, great, we're all back together where we're supposed to be. And 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 for you, I'm sure it was um, really disappointing when the 2020 national show got canceled because you were probably thinking, oh my gosh, is that my is that my chance? Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because you know when I got the opportunity to do this in 2020, I was, you know, um, the final pick, as they say it, the, the committee pick as, as people refer to it. And, and, you know, I was just so happy to be given the opportunity to be able to judge. And then with everything happened, it literally, I think was (laughs) two weeks after we found out that, you know, I was going to be able to judge the national show and, and COVID hit. Um, so that was, that was hard. Because you spent probably about, I would say, six, eight weeks wondering, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't think this is going to happen. So that was hard because I wondered, you know, they're probably going to re-vote. That's how I felt at the time. They're probably going to re-vote. And and it's very possible that I may not get the opportunity to do this again. So it was hard, but I figured, you know what, I kind of... Uh, gave it to God, as they say. And I said, you know what, if I meant to do this, then I will either get to do this because they let us do it the following year or the the membership will re-vote and they'll vote for me again and it'll be okay. Well, very good. So one last question to both of you guys. Well, actually, and then I have one just for you, Anne, but um, do you feel, do you feel like after judging on a national show stage, did that change? Did that change the way that you approached other shows that weren't quite as big? I don't think so. I have had um, my reception um, change a little bit in that people kind of are a little bit more timid around me, which I, I find really very endearing because I'm just I'm just a goat person too, just like you know everybody who comes to exhibit under me at a goat show, and so. Um, I don't feel that I've changed anything about how I am at a goat show or, or how I approach a goat show since nationals, but I've had, had, uh, I think some people be a little bit more timid around me because I've judged nationals and, and, uh, I'm here to tell all of you that I don't bite and you don't need to worry about that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Ed, what did you think? How did, looking back, 
you know, quite a ways back to your, to once you started judging national shows, did that change? Did that change anything for you? Or did you maybe find that you were given the opportunity to judge bigger shows than what you had been before? I don't, I don't feel like it has changed me um, at all. And I don't think it's, it's changed the way that I, I look at goats. I will say the one thing that I think it, it helped me do is like, you'll still go to, um, you know, if you're at a state fair or even a, a club show and you have a class of uh, 20 Nubian dry yearlings or 20 Nigerian dry yearlings and you've got to sort them out. I think it's helped me um, to I, I think it's helped me to sort sort animals, um, because one of the things that that I remember one of my co-judges, my not co-judges, I said not to call them co-judges, um, one of my <laughs> consultant judges um told me one time was just make sure that you're keeping the types together. So, you, you know, there, and I think that's a little hard. And I, th- I think what I would say about that is that's helped me more as an exhibitor because there'll be times that I'll be at a show and I'll be like, but I've beaten this goat at every show that I've been at this year. And now I'm third and the reason why I might be third is because on that particular day, the way that the animal stacked out had a little bit to do with, with type. And, and, and I think that that's, that's hard to think about. Um, but kind of a, a side story with that is I judged the national show um, in 2008 in Sacramento. I, I keep saying 2008. I hope I'm, I'm correct on that. But um, I, I judged the national show. And then two weeks later had to go back to California to judge the Sonoma County fair where all the goats were, were back together again. And it's very difficult because, you know, we say this any given day. um, And and I remember the national junior champion was not the junior champion that particular day. Um, And because, because the goats looked different and I was assessing them there And, and, and I, you know, it, you, you take a while to think about that, but again, as a judge, you're judging them how they appear that day. And on that particular day, this other kid who had been the first place senior kid, I mean, it wasn't like it was just a, somebody, you know, so it was a really good goat um, was now the, the, was the, was the champion of that, that show. So I, I think that what judging a national show helps you do is, is, to give you a reason for the things that judges do, especially at a large show. I agree a hundred percent. And I will agree with you as well that, that I do think that judging on, on the national show level does help you number one, sort goats more efficiently because you just have to sort them at nationals. You don't have a choice. It's not okay. Well, I got to place all 69 of these two-year-old Nigerians, <laughs> um, you know, no, you have to kind of sort them out and find find 20 of them. And and that's okay. That's what you're expected to do. So it helps you do that. But it also, I think, helps you in a club show or a larger club show where you have that class of, you know, 30 Nubian dry yearlings. I think it helps you as a judge go, I'm going to cut this class and not be afraid to do that anymore because that's what's needed. I think that makes sense. Sure. Um, and one quick question for you. Would you do it again? Oh, in a heartbeat. If the membership is so kind to choose me again, I would love to do it again. 
it was it was an experience of a lifetime and i'll say that too because if i never get to do it again it was amazing um but i do hope that i get to do it again because just to be able to see that many beautiful goats from all corners of this country in one place and be able to actually be able to put your your own hands on a lot of them and and evaluate them was just it was an amazing experience and i hope to be able to do it again well moving on on that topic um, and we touched on this a little bit last week uh, when you get your national or when you get the ballot to jet to vote for your national show judges this year something to put a lot of thought into um and we had talked about this last year Adga will send out a list of the people who are eligible for this. Um, eligibility requirements are fairly simple. You have to be a currently licensed judge with six years of continuous active judging experience and at least 10 years of experience in breeding dairy goats as an Adga member. You have to have experience judging major shows and fairs of at least 300 entries in at least three different districts. So they want somebody who's been around to different parts of the country and you can't have judged at the previous national show. So um, unfortunately, Anne, that means not this year. That's okay with it in my backyard. I am happy to show my goats. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that's <laughs> something that people need to keep in mind too. Um, judges can say that they don't want to be considered. And I, and I know that I've heard people at times say, well, I think that's awful. I really like this judge. Why won't they be considered? you're not allowed to show if you are one of the judges. That's correct, right? Correct. Correct. So even, even if, even if like, let's say you judge on Monday and your breed doesn't show until Friday, not you can't show, right? Right. There was a time when that was the case. You could exhibit and judge. And um, over time, people began to recognize that that might be a conflict of interest and I think that it works out pretty effectively in the way that we do it now. And I can see how that definitely could be a conflict of interest. And, uh, you know, with the addition of recorded grades and then Nigerian dwarves and then sables and, and you know, new breeds, our judges are asked to judge more. It used to be that you just, like, consulted on one breed and you judged one breed. But now you've got more than that. And and I can totally see how it could be difficult to not see other animals that you probably don't want to see and also be an exhibitor. So that makes, I think that makes lots of sense. Um, the top five judges that receive the highest number of votes will be offered a judging assignment. And then the national show committee selects that sixth judge. So I think that's kind of, kind of a neat way to do it. And judges can decline or ask not to be considered. So what would you two, we'll start with you, Ed, what would you like to say to um, our listeners as they're considering who they'd like to have judge for national show? Well, there are a couple of factors that um, I oftentimes use. I, I, you know, people always think that you vote for people that, you know, you've shown well under. And obviously that's the way that a lot of people will choose individuals. Um, but I also like to think about those judges that I have um, shown, shown under and they have offered you know, a, a, a clear 
designation of why animals are placing where they are, because I think that's so important at a national show um, that, that those judges are, are able to do it. Obviously, the majority of people who are on the ballot are people that um, have gotten on the ballot because they have the skills to judge a national show. But I think it's important to think about how that person is going to sound on a microphone. And I think the other important factor is, and we talked about this with the consultant, you want to make sure that you're picking um, individuals that you think will work well together. Um, and, and so that's what's always important for me. And maybe even a final thought about that is I like to sometimes choose somebody that I, I have seen and and just all of a sudden I think is, is kind of a, a emerging judge in terms of this is kind of, you know, and I don't know if I like the phrase new blood, but it's, it's nice to have new judges um, be part of that national show group because you hear a lot of people oftentimes say, well, you get the same judges over and over again. Well, those people obviously judge over and over again because um, they, they do a good job. And I, I think that the beauty of, of having Anne this year was this was her first time. I think it's important that we have new judges each year. So um, certainly when I get the ballot this year, those are the things I'm going to look at. And I heard what Bob said last week about just voting for, you know, one or two people. And I think that's I think that's one way of looking at it. And I know that there are groups throughout the United States that that do things like that. Um, but I typically um, will vote for, um, uh, uh, you know, if I'm given five opportunities to vote, I'm going to vote for five people. I mean, I just I, I just hope that my votes help determine the, 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 the people that get in. What about you, Anne? What do you think? Well, I agree with a lot of what Ed said, you know, most almost everything with what Ed said. But, um, you know, I think that it's hard, I think, when we have a country as large as we do, when you get that ballot, because I think it's human nature to look at that ballot and go, oh, I recognize that name and I recognize that name and I recognize that name. And, you know, that's completely understandable. Um, but I do think that you have to kind of take a step back and think about the fact that these people that you're choosing, you're actually choosing people that are going to affect your breed a little bit, that are going to affect how, you, you know, that breed or, or is steered for the next year or so. Because, I mean, look at it this year, the animals that Dan ended up choosing um, for a national champion and reserve national champion um, in the Nigerian breed Look at what ended up happening at, at our sale and the most historic sale we've ever had at convention. And, you know, that's partially because of the animals that he chose. So I think that it's important to remember that at the same time that it's good to think about all of the things that Ed mentioned, because I think they're all important. I think it's also important to remember that these are the people that you are choosing to steer our you know, our breeds and, and what we want for our breeds and what we find desirable in our breeds. I think that makes lots of sense too. Um, any final thoughts on the topics of national show judging that you guys would like to share before we close down this week? I just think that the national show is a great experience. I am encouraging everybody on my side of the world, especially the youth to, to go if they can, because even if you can only attend a national show once in your life, whether it's as an exhibitor, as a spectator, or if you're lucky enough, like myself and some others, to be able to judge it, 
um, it's just an amazing experience all the way around. I think ag, it's one of the things that Agga does a really good job at um, because you've got really great dedicated people who continually work hard to put on that national show. And I'm grateful to everybody who does year in and year out. Well, likewise, I, I think from, from our family's perspective, you know, every summer we live for the national show, whether that means that we're going to be exhibiting at it or judging at it or, or, or whatever we're going to do to go and, and help make it run smoothly. Um, it, it's just, a, it's kind of that, you know, week in the summer that I always look forward to and I love getting ready for. And, and I just encourage people to, um, you know, they want to have a great experience. So it starts with selecting judges um, that will do all the things that we've talked about here, um, influencing Adga and, and, and the dairy goat breeds that are out there. And also, I think um, that just from that standpoint, um, being prepared to just go and have a good time and learn and, and just watch what, you know, a monumental event that it is. Because it is always, you know, at the end of the week, it's always been historic. You know, you've got new national champions and um, they're now there for, for the annals of all time um, to just uh, be known as as the, the queen bee of the week. So that's exciting um, and look forward to that every year. I would agree with that. Anne, thank you so much for agreeing to be our guest. Um, when Ed brought you over to our little table during convention, during the uh, uh, products reception and said, I've got a guest for when Cameron's gone. Uh, he sure, he sure found the perfect one. Cause it's been a lot of fun having you on tonight. Oh, well, thank you. I'm just so glad that um, you thought of me. Um, this has been, it's been a fun new experience for me and it's always fun to sit around with fellow goat enthusiasts and talk about goat things because, you know, sometimes I get looked at like I'm a little crazy when I'm at work and I'm talking about my goats. So it's always nice to be able to <laughs> always nice to be a, around like-minded people. But I am was so flattered at convention when you guys pulled me over and talked to me about this. And so this has been, this has been a lot of fun this evening. Well, good. And Dr. Ed, thank you so much for standing in for your son. You did a great job. It was awesome to have you. I hope I hope um, Cameron will think that I did him proud in this moment, but um, certainly uh, it's awesome to have the opportunity uh, to work with uh, Goat Gap. I think um, it really does help service our industry in a positive way and just getting the message out there um, about why we do what we do. And Anne said, you know, people think you're sometimes crazy. Uh, when you're talking about your goats at work, they do think you're crazy. And, and it is because you are crazy because you love these animals and you love the industry. And, and you know what, we all love Adga and despite wherever the, the situation, wherever we are and whatever kinds of challenges that we have, um, we're going to do everything that we can to make this a great organization and to better the industry and for the dairy goat world. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, how do they find you or how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to find you? Well, I admittedly am a little bit more archaic than most and I don't have a website or anything like that, but I have email. I'm very responsive to email as any of you who have ever emailed me well know. Um, my email address is pretty simple. It's my last name, Claggett, C-L-A-G-E-T-T, -T, mom, Claggett mom at Gmail. So if you have any need of, you know, 
wanting to talk to me, shoot me an email. I'm also very available by Facebook Messenger too. That's fine. Um, but I'm always happy to talk about goats with anybody. Well, that's the love of Goat Gab. We are always happy to talk about goats and you can't ever talk too much about goats with us. So thank you to our faithful listeners for, for being part of our Goat Gab again this week. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook under Goat Gab. And, and if you saw our post this week, we were so excited because we hit a thousand followers. So that was, that was a really a fun thing for us. So thank you for making us one of the listened to Dairy Goat podcasts that there are. And if you have questions or if you have suggestions on what we can do better, uh, please let us know. Give us some likes on Apple Podcasts and we will be with you again next week. Have a great week, everybody.